Capital Market Insights from ICMA. Welcome to the ICMA podcast. I am Mushtaq Kapasi, ICMA's Chief Representative for Asia Pacific, based in Hong Kong. We've been running a mini-series of podcasts with leading experts at ICMA member firms to offer their views on the global macro outlook and, in particular, implications for the international bond markets. And today, we are delighted to have as our guest Ashwin Jolly, Senior Dealer at ICICI Bank UK PLC. Ashwin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, so Ashwin, you're based in London, uh, but you work for a bank headquartered in India, and your coverage and expertise is really across emerging markets. So let's just get started with a basic question. What are the themes that you've seen in emerging markets in the last six months? Sure. In April, spreads across the Bloomberg Emerging Market USD Aggregate Index were around T plus 250 to T plus 300. And the index on a total return basis was down around 10%. Indian average triple B spreads were in the T plus 170s and had widened by about 30 basis points year to date. B-rated China had widened 26% on account of a beleaguered property sector and lower end high yield continuing to be impaired. However, you had pockets of countries where corporates and quasi-sovereigns had tightened, like Chile and the UAE. We then had a period in mid-Q2 where we first started to digest the double whammy of rising rates and wider spreads. That impacted long bonds and investors started talking about compelling valuations. However, emerging market bond funds have only seen outflows. It started in March and reached a crescendo in Q2, but still hasn't dissipated. The total outflow number year to date on global emerging market bond funds stands at around $75 billion, led by local currency funds, with outflows the largest since March 2020. As we entered May, spreads were close to T plus 300, and the Bloomberg Emerging Market USD aggregate was down around 15%. Concerns about global growth have moved from the war in Ukraine back to China. Metrics like production, new orders, supplier delivery times in China have only weakened. Mid-May had spreads near T plus 350, and the emerging market USD aggregate is down 16% with Russia giving a quarter of that detraction. Indian triple Bs at the time had widened to the T plus 180s and later peaked at T plus 200s, a 60 basis point widening for triple Bs this year. That said, India, Indonesia and Middle Eastern countries are the smallest detractors in EMD. The latter two largely on account of their commodity exports, 
and relatively encouraging fiscal positions. It was in the start of the summer that inflation concerns turned to the narrative of an all but certain global recession. Lockdowns in China, as well as downward revisions to the guidance on company quarterly earnings, fostered downward GDP forecast in many countries. The summer month of August was relatively uneventful. That's when macro risk re-emerged with US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. That resulted in saber rattling from China, which is elevated post the Communist Party Congress. To top off all the gloom and doom, OPEC Plus decided to cut its crude oil production by 2 million barrels per day, starting in November, which is the largest production cut since the beginning of the pandemic. As at mid-November, the emerging market USD aggregate index is down 19% year-to-date. It is perhaps the worst year in a generation. Well, that's quite a statistic to uh, end the start of the update with, but it sounds like there's a fair amount of divergence between individual emerging market debt countries. Um, Could you elaborate on that, please? Yes. In Q1 and Q2 22, the narrative was that the pandemic is in the rearview mirror. We had Ukraine, but inflation was still being viewed as transitory people were talking about the potential of narrowing fiscal deficits in emerging Asia. Indonesia was being touted as an outperformer, with fiscal deficits making the most progress on strong commodity-related revenues. The EM Asian central banks were also later to the table in having to start a tightening cycle. Q2 was a time when the Reserve Bank of India, Bank Negara of Malaysia, and the Bank of Korea tightened. Middle Eastern investment-grade credit, however, remained supported by high oil prices and healthy demand dynamics. US high yield and European high yield have fallen around 6 to 7% less than EMD as at mid-November. It remains to be seen if these relative valuations can be justified. The strength of the USD and falls in EMFX have only increased the gap on account of the particularly hawkish Fed and many EM countries contending with eye-watering inflation and other fiscal challenges. Then, of course, you have country-to-country nuances. For example, you had a period when long-end Mexican sovereign spreads underperformed Peru's, despite the latter having experienced meaningful negative terms of trade shocks because of weaker global demand on copper, down 30% since mid-July, and more recently, global gold prices. Asian high-grade has flirted with its March 2020 whites. However, China's COVID-19 lockdowns and property sector woes have taken a toll on the broader economy. Then we have distressed frontier markets. We had Pakistan having to take out emergency loans 
than contend with political administrative changes and a natural disaster. The story was similarly woeful in Sri Lanka, where runaway inflation brought down the government, caused debt restructuring, and the country descended into a state of anarchy. Indeed, very bad news coming out of the frontier markets um, in the um, South Asian subregion. But let's go a bit deeper into the Indian market as well, which is really your core expertise. What is your current outlook on Indian US dollar fixed income, especially those potentially interested uh, for um, offshore investors? Well, in summary, USD primary issuance remains closed with only the odd private placement, which some argue has been expensive. You have rate hikes, a global recession, which normally widens credit spreads. And above it all, it currently makes more economic sense to issue in local currency than USD. This has precipitated a string of buybacks and callable bonds. Hence, 2022 and the start of 2023 would be a blip on a trajectory of rising new dollar bond issuance year on year. There has been considerable discourse on hedging strategies adopted by renewable issuers, considering depreciation in the local currency INR. Renewables have an entirely INR revenue base, but primarily USD debt. Furthermore, they must bear the cost of solar cell modules, semiconductors, and other imported components essential for the operation of renewable power projects, all contributing to their USD expenses. Taxes and government controls have impaired sentiment towards a couple of other sectors. For example, the steel sector, which has two USD issuers, was hit with a 15% export tax at the end of May, which was reversed last week. Then, the state-backed oil refiners have had to contend with losses on materially lower profits due to their inability to pass through the costs of rising oil prices production. For commodity-linked names, prices are denominated in USD, thereby acting as a natural hedge to revenues, while costs are largely in INR. But of course, a global slowdown is a trigger for stress. The Indian currency has been near record lows, given the strength of the USD and as a net energy importer. This does contribute to make servicing USD debt unattractive. All right, thank you so much, Ashwin. A really interesting analysis on the dynamics for Indian issuers to borrow abroad in USD and how different sectors and uh, dynamics in the policy world um, affect um, the ability and the willingness of the issuers to do so. Well, thank you so much, Ashwin. We have now reached the end of this podcast. Really appreciate your expertise. Thank you. And for those of you in the audience listening in, we welcome your feedback on this episode, as well as suggestions for other topics for ICMA podcast. Please also feel free to contact us 
the team is at APAC at icmagroup.org. That's A-P-A-C at I-C-M-A-G-R-O-U-P dot O-R-G for any questions or ideas regarding ICMA's work in the bond markets. We wish you good health and an excellent day ahead. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.